0: The Bible reading this morning comes from Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all of Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction.
1: Prince, we do come to the last talk in the Malachi series, and it's a, it's a tough passage as well. It's a call to be ready for the day, which is the day of judgment, uh, when Christ returns. Now, the truth is, when life was going well for us, it was hard to look forward to heaven, wasn't it? You remember those days? It's hard to remember those days, isn't it? But you see, the days when you could uh, work and play more than five kilometres away from your home, when you could walk for longer than an hour and not get in trouble, when you could go on energising holidays, the Gold Coast, the Barrier Reef, Bali, Fiji, Europe, the USA. You could go and eat out and sit and eat out rather than eating on the run. You could go to the football, you could have friends over. You could get married, even. Wow, imagine that. You can throw an engagement party or a 60th. No QR codes and no face masks. Well, friends, when things are going well, we often live as, as if there is nothing better than this, don't we? You see, living in Australia and in Sydney, we think Sydney is a good enough heaven for most people. while it used to be before COVID-19. Now, we're not quite so sure. But friends, for those who know oppression, injustice and hardship, the promise of a better future is met with eager anticipation. See, life has to be better than life with the Taliban in Afghanistan. Life has to be better than having your girls kidnapped in Nigeria. Life has to be better than being trafficked in Asia. Life has to be better than being exploited in a factory in Bangladesh. When you know oppression and injustice, you look forward to something better. As we've seen, that was Malachi's experience. You see, Malachi longed for the day of prosperity, which the prophets had claimed. And this eager expectation of that day is evident in the powerful imagery of the last chapter of Malachi. As we saw last week, many within the nation of Israel in 433 430 BC had failed to serve and honour God. We saw verses 13 to 15. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements? and going about like mourners before the Lord almighty but now we call the arrogant blessed certainly the evil doers prosper and even those who challenge god escape in other words it's no use following god it hasn't got us anything we might as well go out and live like the pagans the evil doers god where are you in the midst of all of this we suffer like everyone else there's no difference between serving God or not. And yet Malachi then declares that the difference will be clearly shown on Judgment Day. It may not look different now, but it will be shown to be true on Judgment Day. But what was also fascinating last week in that last section of chapter 3, that as Malachi preaches, we see a group of people who are faithful to God. They are not all questioning God. They are not not all lamenting. They are not all raising their fist at God. There is a group within Israel who trust in God. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. There will come a day when it will be very clear, those who love God and those who have rejected God. See, the final judgment is coming, verses 1 to 3. And in his final section of the prophecy of Malachi, he speaks of the day of the Lord. Verse 1, verse 3, verse 5. And remember, the biblical view of history is not cyclical, it is linear. The world is heading in a certain direction. It has a definite beginning with God's creation of the universe, and it is building to a final climax. In the present world, as we see all around us, it's on our news, It's you can't miss it, there is much sin, there is much unfairness, there is much inequality. But the terminus of history is the great day of judgment, which the scales of justice will ultimately be balanced. God is waiting. Man is allowed to do his worst. But the day of the Lord is coming. And Malachi tells us to view everything in the light of that coming day. View everything in the light of that coming day of judgment. For it's on that day when Christ returns, the dead will be raised. Heaven and earth as we know them will pass away making way for the new heaven and new earth, and God's final judgment will be executed. Evildoers will not get away with their sin. Whether in Afghanistan or Australia or Nigeria or United States, evil doers will not get away with their sin. Judgment is coming. And there will be eternal punishment for those who reject God. Verse 1, surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. It's going to be a terrible day for those who reject God and his rightful place as Lord and Master. We often speak of heaven, we don't often speak of hell and judgment. But today, Malachi takes us to hell and judgment. The image is of a terrible judgment, where people reap what they deserve for their arrogant independence of God and their evil behavior. You see, evildoers will no longer get away with their sin. It will be exposed and it will be judged. Now, some people, even in the church, can't believe what they read here. And they're happy to say, though, well, in the end, everyone will be saved. In the end, God is a God of love. We just ignore the judgment and the wrath section or the justice section. We just take a God of love. And in the end, oh, we'll all be okay. You go to a funeral, non-Christian, oh, we're all going to be okay in the end. That's not God's word. Let me take you to John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But listen, whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, in John 3, 36, we read, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. It's a present possession. But whoever rejects the Son, wants nothing to do with the Son, Jesus, will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. See, sin is serious. God is merciful through his death, the death of Christ on the cross. People are already under the judgment of God, the Bible says. But in his love, God is offering us forgiveness and new life. We all have a choice to make. Receive Christ and find eternal life. Reject Christ and miss out on eternal life and find eternal death. And if you think oh, those words aren't harsh enough, look at these words in 2 Thessalonians verses 8 to 10. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. There will come a day when some people will be cast out, everlasting destruction, shut out from the presence of the Lord, no longer experiencing the goodness and the grace of God, but now really experiencing the judgment of God rather than grace and mercy. In his book, A Fresh Start, the late John Chapman quotes a a, a piece of writing about what it might be like in hell. because The Bible talks about being in utter darkness, the sense of you are not with people. You see, heaven is being in communities, being with God's people, with God forever, and yet hell, as well as the whole idea of suffering, we're talking about fires and so on, that image of suffering is also the image of darkness, of aloneness. And it goes like this, quite moving and quite challenging. He had never felt such aloneness before. Where is my wife? He choked. Only that awful echo Not here, your wife is not here. He tried to piece it all together, but the darkness was too thick. Once in a while, he thought he could see a blurred figure or hear an anguished moan. He remembered the pain, those last moments of terror, but it was nothing compared to the feelings that were creeping into his awareness now. Again, he cried, Where is my wife? Your wife is not here. Where are my children? Your children are not here. He started to grope about in the darkness, but all was blindness to him. My God, he howled again. Let me feel the presence of one single human being. My God. Well, he hadn't said those words in such a long time. My God. And now they seem so hollow. Terror was welling up in him. He felt like a small child being threatened by deep darkness. No candles anywhere, no love anywhere, no voice anywhere. Where is my wife? He screamed. Your wife is not here. Where are my children? He pleaded. Your children are not here. Then the greatest fear of all came to his mind. He was terrified to ask, but he knew he would have to. His whole body trembled as he pursed his lips and wailed into the nebulous night. Where, oh where is God. As the deepest of all darkness closed in on his soul for all eternity, he heard that hideous echo whispering, the most horrifying of all judgments, God is not here. Life and death, heaven and hell, are serious issues. So serious that Jesus came and died a cruel death on a cross to make possible our forgiveness, our reconciliation with God, so that we don't end up in hell, but we end up in heaven for all of eternity. Friends, we must do what we can through love and prayer to see people saved from this coming hell. And then there is eternal life for those who serve God, verses 2 and 3. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. So there's another group who trust in him. Those who serve God and revere his name, honor him. They look forward to that day when he will return, for it will be a day of release and joy, not judgment, but release and joy. And I love the language here. On that day, the righteous God will come as the son, picturing the beautiful son of righteousness. And no doubt here, Malachi points forward to Christ when he says that, the son of righteousness, because he is the light of the world, and the Lord our righteousness, Jeremiah twenty-three, five and six. And uh, Zechariah, Luke one, picks up this image beautifully for us. This is John the Baptist's father, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God. By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. That's that same age. The rising sun will come to us from heaven. The one that Malachi has been speaking about. To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the path of peace. Friends, a son of righteousness, Jesus will come with healing in his wings. No doubt a, a reference to deliverance from destruction. He comes to usher in a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. 2 Peter 3.13 What a great day that will be. And we will be like delighted calves being set free to relish the day. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? You'll go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Further on that day, he says, those who revere God's name will now be the victors rather than the troubled and the downtrodden. Justice will take place. The wicked will no longer afflict the godly. Christians will not be arrested and put to death in Afghanistan any longer. But rather it will be turned, the tables will be turned, and you will trample down the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet. It's a sign that you are victorious with Christ against the enemies of Christ. What a great day that will be. So therefore he says in verse 46, Get prepared for Judgment Day, will you? Remember the law of my servant Moses. The decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with the curse. So Malachi writes to this sinful and rebellious people of God, and he calls them back to the covenant. He calls them back to what Moses taught them on Mount Sinai. On the edge of the promised land, he says, come back to the law of God. Listen to God. God entered a covenant arrangement with you. Trust him. Obey him. Come back to him. And I will bless you, he says. He says, the Elijah to come. The reference to the prophet Elijah. Well, he's, he, you know, he was alive many years before this. But he will turn. He's coming back. Turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of their children to their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. One of the responsibilities uh, of the covenant was for, honor your, or the, was this one, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord is going to give you. So that's one of the Ten Commandments. So it seems to say, as an example, come back. Fathers, honor your kids. Kids, honor your, uh, your parents. Build right relationships. In other words, do what the Word of God asks you to do. But he says, come back to the word, but secondly, repent. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Before that final day, Elijah's coming. And Jesus' words recorded in the Gospel of Matthew make it clear that this verse has a special reference to the ministry of John the Baptist. For all the prophets and the Lord prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So Jesus is saying, no, no, this Elijah that Malachi is talking about, it's John the Baptist. He's the one who prepares the way for the Lord. He preached the law of God. He cried out for justice and purity and sincerity with all his heart. He urged people tirelessly to own up to their sins and failures without trying to shift the blame or pretend they were better than what they really were. He preached a baptism of repentance. But more, he announced the coming of the Lord, his kingdom and his judgment. He called people to repentance because Christ was coming. He wanted people to go back and obey the law that had been given in the Old Testament. And friends, there's a real direct sense in which the ministry of John the Baptist, in preparing the nation for the ministry of Jesus, prepared people for the day of the Lord, the final day. This is because there is a sense in which the last day, the day of judgment, was brought forward forward and broke into history with the coming of Jesus. You see, in John 3, 18, it says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So when people receive or reject the Lord Jesus, they are passing judgment day verdict upon themselves. Let me say that again. When you receive or reject the Lord Jesus you are passing judgment day verdict upon yourself. And you have to know, reject, you're okay with Jesus. I mean, accept you're okay with Jesus, reject Him, you're in terrible trouble. Many years ago when I worked as a high school teacher, I was in a year 10 class and they often got distracted from doing mathematics and I knew I was a Christian and I ran the Christian group on, at the school and so they would often stop me and ask me a spiritual question and uh Someone's family member had died and they were worried about what happens after death. And one of the students said, sir, will I go to heaven? I'm going to be teaching maths, right? But uh, uh, I said, we should be doing maths. But listen, I'll try and give you a quick answer. Because they were interested to know what would happen. I said, I can't judge you. But let me tell you what the Bible says. And I explained the gospel using the bridge to life illustration. God is perfect. We rebel against him. There's a huge chasm between us. And try as hard as we can. We can never get back to God because we always fall short. Selfishness, arrogance, lust, pride. You can try as hard as you can, but you can never get across the chasm back to God. But God so loves you that he sent his own son who becomes the bridge back to God. And through his death, you can now believe in Christ, cross the bridge, become God's friend. And I drew that up on the, on, on the on the blackboard there. The days when we used to have blackboards, none of these whiteboards, right? And uh, and I had drew this picture, and I said, if you trust in Jesus, then you will go to heaven, and if you don't, you don't. And she said, well, so, so will I go to heaven? I said, no, 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 I am not your judge. I said, you need to make your own decision. Because your decision determines your eternal destiny, friends. Whether you accept or reject Christ now determines what happens on Judgment Day. Accept Christ now and find forgiveness. Because there are two kinds of people within the professed church: the saved and the lost. When Malachi was speaking, there are two groups of people, those who questioned God, those who were angry at God, those who rejected God, and then there was the faithful group, the ones who trusted in God, despite all the difficulties, despite uh, that life was not as good as what they'd hoped. Two groups of people. And it's the same in the church. Let me say to you that the church uh, worldwide is full of non-Christians. Let me say that again. The church worldwide as people gather, when we used to gather, is full of people who are not Christians. They may look the past. They have never really been converted. They have not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. They have not trusted in Christ and Christ alone for their salvation. And Jesus repeatedly warned that on Judgment Day, there will be many people who are expecting to be welcomed into heaven who will be cast into hell. They thought they were Christians, they never really belonged to him. it been interesting recently there are a number of high-profile Christians have deconstructed their faith, is the language they use. We are no longer Christians. We were Christians, we are leaders, we are pastors, worship leaders, uh, preachers. We are no longer Christians. And they became famous now for no longer being Christians. It's like you have to be a celebrity Christian first then when you no longer believe in Jesus, you're a celebrity, celebrity non-Christian. Right? All it simply says is that they didn't know Jesus, right? You know what Jesus said? They're for soils, right? The word goes out and some believe and some don't. Some sort of look like they're in the kingdom, but they're not. Don't be surprised by people leaving the faith because they were truly converted in the first place. Jesus says, there's not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There are people who are great pretenders, who don't have the authentic faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. John Benton in his commentary on Malachi concludes his exposition with this paragraph. And he wrote this uh, commentary 35 years ago, by the way. Listen to what he says, and I wonder how true that is or how applicable it is to us today. This prophecy of Malachi is extremely pertinent at our times. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he left just a few hundred disciples in the world. Yet within one generation, those uh, who... Those people are said to have turned the world upside down for Christ. Today there are literally thousands, perhaps millions of people in Britain and America who stand or who attend Bible-preaching churches, and yet the effect we have upon the moral and spiritual climates of our nations is literally pathetic, he writes. Could it be that far too many of those church attendees for all their profession are in fact in the state described in this book? They have lost touch with the living God. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Friends, there are some terrible things happening in the world, and we sometimes wonder where God is. God is in the midst of such injustice. When you see people holding on to an aeroplane, climbing on top of an aeroplane to escape a your heart breaks. But we need to get things in perspective. There's a story told of an Oxford undergraduate who, in his final year, somewhere around June or July, wrote a letter to his parents. It went like this. Dear Mum and Dad, I know you haven't heard much from me in recent months. The fact is this. A few weeks back, there was a fire in the flat and I lost all my possessions. In fact, I only escaped with my life by jumping out of a second-floor window. In the process of doing so, I broke my leg, so I finished up in hospital. Fortunately, I met the most wonderful nurse there we immediately fell in love. And well, to cut a long story short, last Saturday we got married. Many of our friends say this was over hasty, but I am convinced that our love will will more than compensate for the difference between our social and ethnic origins. By this time, mum and dad, I suspect you may be getting a bit worried. So let me tell you straight away that everything I've written in this letter up to now is false. I made it up. The truth is, two weeks ago, I failed my final exams. I just wanted you to get things in proper perspective. Friends, we need to see the world with proper perspective. Certainly, there's evil and injustice in the world. We see it everywhere. The wicked often prosper while the righteous suffer. But Malachi reminds us to get things in the right perspective. Surely, the day is coming. The day is coming. There is a reward for those who seek the face of God. It's a reward for those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and live for him. Don't doubt it. Trust in Christ and look forward to the great day. Live passionately for him, no matter what you go through or what happens in life. The day is coming. And friends, our great hope and our great celebration uh, to come being with God and leaping like calves let free is because of the work of Jesus Messiah why don't we sing this beautiful song together